Welcome back, everyone, to the Six Figure Social Worker Podcast. It's your girl, LA. I am your Six Figure Social Worker. I am excited to be interviewing Rodney from Australia. He will be sharing his journey of practicing social work in Australia. Stay tuned if you're interested. Okay, welcome back everyone to the Six Figure Social Worker Podcast. If you are new to the podcast, this podcast is designed to teach you how to make a living while you're making a difference. So again, I want to welcome our special guest, Rodney, all the way from Australia. Welcome, Rodney. Hello. Uh, Good morning for us. Good afternoon for those in the U.S. How are we? What time is it there? Uh, we just rolled over 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock Sunday morning. Okay. Wow. Okay. So Rodney, thank you um, for agreeing to come on our podcast and share your story with the audience and um, let them know some of the things that um, you're seeing, you're, you've experienced in the field of social work. And um, first, I would like for you to share with us, um, what are your credentials? Where did you you know, graduate from and how did you um, really get into the field of social work? Absolutely. Well, born and raised, middle America, uh, get your money back at the door, um, did some undergrad at University of Nebraska at Omaha in uh, early 2000s, yeah, early mid 2000s. And um, then I stumbled across being able to use US student loans and come over and do my master's degree of social work at the University of Sydney, um, which was a whirlwind and amazing and just you know, wow! Just something that no one, you know, first person in the family to get a master's degree and first person to ever travel internationally. And I just thought, hey, there's a chance to do something different. I might as well. So where are you born and raised at? Des Moines. I lived in Des Moines, 20, Des Moines, Iowa, probably 20, 23 years. And then I moved over to um, Omaha, Nebraska and lived okay. there about six, seven years. And then, okay. And so help us understand this transition. So from there and you transition to Australia. Yeah. So to, uh, there are, there's a couple of programs in the U S that you can, um, if you, we, we just did a bit of a bank loan, like, a, um, and you can pay for yourself and get your student visa and come over and study. If you want to come over and study, I can get to the, um, how to come over professionally um, if you are already credentialed in the US. Um, so I've done both. So I've done the international skills qualification, even with just a bachelor's degree to come over here, which is a fun little process. But um, for those, you know, just in the early hustle and getting their inspiration from the six figure uh, podcast, I think uh, if you are, you know, doing an undergraduate degree and you think, you know, or, or you'd like to do an undergraduate internationally, you can get US government student loans to back your study if you want to come here. Um, After that, um, once you get over, you land, you fall in love with Australia and you never want to come back. I don't know. (laughs) That's what happened to me. I was struck probably the first three weeks. Oh, it got me. Uh, Sorry. Sorry, Ma. But um, and then uh, after that, Look, I think I've had just about every other visa. Look, if you want to come over for 12 months, they have a working holiday visa that you can get your passport ready, 
come over, you know, do some child care, do some, you know, light care. Maybe um, there, there's a huge need, just like everywhere in the world. Uh, Lashana, there's, you know, there's such a big need for helpers like us and social workers on the skilled occupationalist, which means it's a very high demand um, to get people butts and seats over here to, to do the job um, that we need so much. So yeah, once you, once you get over here, you can get some work rights again for the 12 months. And then just like America, it's who you know. I mean, you can have these qualifications and all this stuff. Um, but uh, the who you know is, and shout out to a couple of Australians that really looked after me and said, um, this filthy migrant's here and wants to take Australian jobs. Uh, and I, we think he does a good job. So, I, you know, shout out to Claude and again, a couple of others down here that really helped me along my journey. Um, and then, yeah, look, if you're here for 12 months or you've done your graduate degree, if you do um, 104 weeks of study in Australia, you can apply for, um, after you've graduated, you can apply to get your international um, assessment or whatever. And that makes sure that it'll say if you're eligible for NASW, which is obviously um, your ruling body over there, which I've been a member and, and miss all my NASW friends over there. Um, you can apply to the Australian Association of Social Work, which is the same body that does your skills assessment. So they'll say, okay, Lashana, you've got X, Y, and Z degree. You've been studying, you've been working, you package that up, you pay a bit of money. And then the ASW, you know, gives you a stamp of approval. And then you can jump right into um, pretty much any type of social work over here. Um, for those clinicians out there, those one-to-one -one clinicians, that um, that would take, a, there's another level mental health accreditation. That, um, I've not known anybody to come from the US to get that endorsed, but no doubt um, for those, you know, doing thousands and thousands of hours since post-grad, I think it's just, just getting that documentation um, to put it forward. Okay, it's so not that pain. So the work is more what we call macro level work for individuals who may want to um, go that route? It can be all three, macro, mesro, micro. So okay. if you want, if you just want to do direct work, I mean, there's, there's tons of, tons of work available for entry level. If you were just coming on a working holiday, just to get the vibe and see if you want to come over and do the applications and do that kind of jam, there's, there's definitely some entry level work. Um, the provision on the work visa though, is you can only do six months per company, which is kind of hard, not only for client outcomes to see those, but at least, um, you know, you can get, get into a share house or that kind of thing over here and, okay. and make it work for you. But no, no, there's, there's work everywhere. So I do, I do three different levels, my, you know, all three uh, systems levels. So micro, just that direct practice, meso, some community development, and macro, um, which is part of our service directory and business support for our um, on-demand employee assistance program that I run um, in okay. Australia for some, for some businesses, so. Okay, give, <laughs> give with us a life and um, a day in the life of Rodney as a social worker in Australia. Um, well, now, because it's summer and I know you all getting a little bit cool up there in the north, um, now it's look i get up about five o'clock in the morning i do probably three hours of counseling for some americanos because there's a i use the online therapy.com um, and 
do a bit of work and counsel my brethren over there, which is, I love just, I think it's just keeping my lingo up to, up to scratch. Nah, nah, I, I love working <laughs> Eric and Steel. So I do a bit of counseling over there and then, uh, you know, brush myself off, get ready for the day, you know, take care of family business and all everything I need to do before getting on the tools. And then I do a lot of um, EMDR. Um, I'll get my level two national accreditation next week. So a bit of EMDR and just, you know, CBT counseling for um, so a lot of veterans. I work with a lot of veterans and a lot of uh, victims of crime down here. So there's a, there's a nice good spread of schemes. That's yeah. what they call it down here, schemes or funding, funding areas that you can, um, that you can make money down here. So I do a little bit of uh, workers rehabilitation or occupational rehab. And I do a bit of, again, the trauma stuff the, the victims of crime stuff and then there's look there's a couple and then run you know the EAP program if if, if the business needs if, if businesses are calling in and might do an assessment on you know they've got 25 staff and I just need to see what their mental health needs are for that business I'll go out and support them and then you know get home about 6 6 30 7 o'clock and try and Turn my brain off <laughs> and then recharge for the next day. Right. Yeah. Probably a typical day. Yeah. So are you actually an employee of someone or are you um, an entrepreneur, self-employed? Yes, uh, completely self-employed. So um, the Help Now Group uh, Party Limited is my company and that's been running since 2016. It just went uh, full solo in 2022. Um, so we're going to take over probably 12, 13 months in a couple of weeks. And um, and then, yeah, just, just running that. So they've got a couple of different layers. I know the LLCs and that kind of stuff that you guys have. So you could be a, you could be a sole trader. Um, if you register the company, obviously there's some uh, better, better benefits as far as getting like um grants and that kind of thing so you need that those kind of company endorsements over here so I, i'm also a co-founder of sustainable ethical australia which is a local charity to still make some conduit and make sure things are things are working for businesses um so yeah full, full-time solo so it gets quiet sometimes right right no this is awesome right because I think what I'm running into is that a lot of social workers, they go into the field and um, if they're not, um, I don't know what the word is. I don't want to say um, like a self-starter or maybe mm. someone that's just kind of like um, have a broader perspective. They come into social work thinking um, what they learn in school is it, right? And then they go mm. into a little agency and they get stuck at this agency and then they find themselves needing more services than the clients they're working with, mm -hmm. you know? And so I'm wondering, how did you, how did you know, right? Um, or get these opportunities? How did you know that this was even possible for you to be able to go abroad? Uh, well, look, I, um, I, my social work journey has got a bit of lived experience behind it as far as, uh, um, raised by a single mom and, um, you know, lots of hangups and bangups that we do over there in the U S. Um, I guess the, 
the possibility came, I, I was working for the power company, lost a, a balling job. I thought I, I thought I was the bee's knees. I had, I had money, I had a brand new car and things hit the wall and, and I lost that job. And um, I went and talked to a, went and talked to a counselor at the time. I said, look, I just lost my job. I can't pay you. I was in a, this is like first, probably first five months of living near Omaha. And um, went and talked to a counselor and I, I dressed all up. You would have loved it, LaShawn. I dressed all up, I was like, nothing's wrong with me. I'm bulletproof, I, I, I'm all good. I just, I'm just i just trying to get this job back, right? right. And, um, and the counselor look, obviously looked through me. Shout out Kathy, she's still in Council Bluffs running her own private <laughs> private business. And, um, and I said to her, um, I'm either gonna get into pharmacy or something else and she poked and prodded well you want to help people and she just really um just opened that door and um i stepped through and um you know it was really funny uh there's a leader of iowa western community college over there in in um council bluffs that i did my because i didn't i wasn't this high flying grades i wasn't i'm not an academic mm -hmm. I'm, 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 I'm i get my hands dirty anyway i <laughs> I walked in, so this counselor's like, oh, you should get your master's degree in, in, in social work. So I walked in, I hadn't even done one one hour of class and I told the, the school program, in an associate's program, you know, not a not an undergrad, I said, I'm getting my master's. And that's how I said it, I said, I'm getting my master's. He says, well, let's just wait a little bit. Let's just wait till you get some courses done. I said, yeah, you're not listening. And, and uh, maybe it's just some tenacity, I don't know never give up right yeah 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 and so you did 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 you do some work in um america yeah yeah so i um um around my when i was doing my associates i was i did a bit of work for kids removed not removed they couldn't go back to the regular school because of either gun violence outside the school or stealing cars or um, just real bad home life. Um, so a couple of jobs I did during my undergrad um, and associates was was over there at that at, at that school and and I was the only white guy in the building and um, where I was working at. And I tell you what, I tell people all the time, Lashawn. I think I think that was probably what galvanized it the most. I think they taught me so much about who I was. Mm -hmm. um, it's very highly dominant African-American community over there, Omaha. And um, I, um, I learned so much who I was and I learned that it doesn't really matter where I was at, that I can make it work, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, that, and I think the, I, needed, I needed that racism for me because I, I knew, I, I, I think it galvanized for me, I knew that I was a I was the picture of the machine, right? Of these businesses that that just control these young these young African American lives in this community. Very very um, poor community. Lots of gun violence. Before I came to Australia, I think there was 21 homicides in like a month. Oh, wow. I think on the on the the month that I got on the plane to come over, and and I think it just taught me that you you can be the odd person out anywhere. And, and help a ton of people. So that was, it was just super cool. It just lit me on fire and, awesome. and um, oh, I was, yeah. I yeah. got memories from them kids that will never, will never go away. That's for yeah. sure. 
Yeah. Okay. And so, um, how did you, what, what are your thoughts about EMDR? EMDR is, um, <laughs> look, I think every, there's so many clients that come through my door that talk about it in, they'll say, I don't believe it. Right. And, and over here, I don't know. I, I think over there as well, I think it's still, I think there's still a, a, a the jury's out a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think what's it, what's it going to like 20 years and that's trauma too, right? Like trauma is really like, it's an emerging field. 20 years is really nothing, right? Compared to the Freud's and all that stuff. Right. Absolutely. So, um, I think what I find is it's such an amazing, I, I don't look of the clients that come through and say, Hey, that worked. It's such a, it's such a rapport building exercise with, with the client. But I realize when I'm working with them and you just watch, I don't know, so many I've worked with, they talk about something moving from one side of their head to the other, the pressure from their side of the brain, their physical release there. Um, and it's, you know, really powerful stuff. And what I also love about it, you know, cause I did, I've done some professional development on prolonged exposure and CPT and um, what's the, there's trauma. Is it trauma-based CBT? I think that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and I, and I did the trainings and all of them. I said, you know what, if I'm going to do trauma, I better do one that I can get behind. Mm-hmm. And I think after doing, I was very fortunate, a company down here sponsored my level one. And um, I think when I looked at prolonged exposure and CPT and those, and I just thought, it's it's too much in the weeds for me because mm-hmm. they go real that habituation right they're habituating this they're habituating that of the exposure and, and i thought emdr is make no lie they're going through it while you're sitting with them yeah. but they're not audibleizing every single nitty-gritty detail about their event and that's what i really love about it i think as a clinician to um to help me set my own boundaries it helps me go i don't need i don't need a two-hour story of every single minute that's passed your life it's your image it's your feeling let's drive the car together through this storm and come out the other end and go we you know we we're okay and um look it's it's not without its um, challenges. I think for my, I've got a couple of people with dissociative identity features, let's call them. I don't want to use the D word that usually goes in the DSM mm-hmm. five mm-hmm. point, whatever it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, uh, that is an interesting journey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's opened up. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the, um, there's an international association International Association of Dissociation and Trauma, ISST-D, okay. which is a global resource for clinicians that are interested in dissociation and complex trauma. Yeah. Um, but obviously my trainer put me onto that and, and they've got some amazing webinars. Obviously uh, my Yankee friends are, are hosting that over there, but um, such a, it was just like building it you know, obviously I'd had this rapport with the client, you know, one in 10 dissociate, right? So I had this rapport with the client. She came in for this reason and I thought, okay, something has dramatically changed. Um, Let's talk. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm building an airplane, you know, I'm trying to eat as fast as, you know, the food's coming out. 
and um, uh, and to be real, the, the the dissociation and people with complex trauma, they have so much to teach us as clinicians and helpers. Yeah, <laughs> and and they're fifteen to twenty. Um, you know, alters, others, parts, whatever, whatever people, uh, yeah, you, you, it's like doing family systems therapy with uh, yeah. 15 people and you've got one in the room. It's a, <laughs> right. it's a, it's well, a, it's a big demand though. It's a big yes. demand. I mean, yeah. huge. I mean, one in yeah. 10, like it's real, man. That's real. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I, love I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now you were doing something. Talk to us about the barriers. I know you were talking about the system or the services that um, I believe you're a part of. Share with that with us. The barriers, um, the barriers for clients over here. So the, um, the post-COVID now is very interesting, little fun little journey. Well, maybe not post-COVID, just depends on uh, uh, listeners' perspective. Right. Um, I guess what I've found over here the barriers are it's there's i think there's a deeper systemic uh, systemic blocks for a lot of people yes people get a what's called a, a pension or a concession um where they'll get you know i think a single person can make about 450 make um the government provides them about 450 dollars per t- every two weeks uh to live on which look is not a lot of not a lot of money um and uh compared to living costs and and obviously the cost of groceries and everything you know you know that everyone's kind of feeling right like um i think there's the barrier for that and i think also the barrier and why i've kind of created the service directory a little bit for helpers local community helpers is you know there's a real digital divide. I've been, you know, I learned about the digital divide some years ago when I was in America and um, just that real digital gap on knowledge on where people can get help from people like yourself and yeah. and those listeners out there, I think you recognize very quickly that if they don't, if, you know, you and I get, get our news through multiple sources, right? We get our research, we can go to scholar, we can kind of get this stuff and you know, they, they preach education is key. And sadly, I think maybe like America, you know, we um, we fund reactively, not proactively mm. for programs to be sustainable, right? Yes. Which is one of the reasons we, we started Sustainable Ethical Australia. It's like, you know, all these social workers, whether they're independent practitioners or they're you know, working for, for the man or whoever it is, you know, making sure that whatever they're working in, the programs can last with or without this please you know the 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 new uh street street hustlers are those you know begging for money for unicef and all these you know these businesses donations you know salvos you got all these charity organizations saying hey we need more money to support people well part of me in my brain thinks well isn't there ways that they can actually get way ahead of that and they and they're not having to rely on that you know, because it's, um, yeah, it's really hard, really hard to see when good programs come through and then they, and then they turn bust and then what do people do? You know, there's a lot of, um, you know, societal elders, there's a real gap over here, obviously indigenous services, um, you know, indigenous life inspectancies is still dramatically lower. There's a, there's a, um, uh, close the gap and that's the gap between 
all those um, <clears throat> non-Indigenous uh, residents and citizens of Australia, that it's, you know, it's a good 20, 30 years um, gap as far as life expectancy okay. uh, for Indigenous and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples that live here. Um, and they're uh, just like the States, sadly, you know, overly, overly represented in the criminal justice system, mm. you know, even though they're, you know, three or four or five percent of the population, don't quote me on, on what those right. are, but, yeah. you know, you, you, you see that <clears throat> and you just go, my goodness, there's lots, lots that can be done. Um, mm-hmm. And also, you know, you said earlier about, you know, social workers, I think the biggest challenge is so I've had a couple I've had a couple of uh, postgrad students you know oh can I do a placement and I don't know how your placement was Lashana I'm sure you can uh, blink back to that time but I would have loved so much when I said to my newbies I said hey what do you want to do and that's very daunting right like so they're just under two years or four years of school right and you say what do you want to do they go I don't know well who do you want to help do you want to help you know, I had a, uh, a woman of color who her family was from overseas. I forget where. It's like, do you want to help your community? Do you want to help the wider Australian community? You know, and that's a, that's a really hard decision for any student. And I think, you know, that can be really daunting. But what I gave to my students, I said, well, if you want to create something, we can create a pathway now right. and, and bolt it on to lots of different types of work. Maybe that is part-time with someone. Maybe that is... And, and just getting them to, to understand that anything's possible. I mean, we tell this, our, we tell this to our clients. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 It's possible. It's possible. Right. right. Yeah. That's why I love, like, even when you um, reached out and I was like, first of all, I love your accent. So I was like, oh, oh, yes. Because like, the way you reached out, you reached out through the voice you know, message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, wait, hold on, who is this, right? And so, um, but I was just so interested because I'm like, hold on, you really moved or navigated over to Australia to, you know, um, to be a help, right? And with your social work degree. And I'm just like, even when I came up with Six Figure Social Worker, I knew people was going to be like, what, right? Because it seemed like when we go into um, social work, we think we have to vow poverty. And it's like, no, you know, you can make a living, right? While you're making a difference. So yeah, I'm I'm excited about um, what you shared and what you're doing. Um, How, if someone is interested in um, learning even more, about what you're doing can they how can they get in contact with you yeah absolutely um look they can write to me at rodney at thehelpnow.org t-h-e helpnow.org um helpnow group is on um instagram facebook uh twitter you know just send me a message you know i don't it's i think they just need to be curious you know, yeah. just be curious whether they're asking me or asking you, you know, it's just just creating that curiosity, you know, check with your local universities if you want to do international. And if you're a seasoned professional, which, you know, my friends threaten me so many times. I've been here. I'm going on 15 years in the country next uh, this year. And um, I still have my social work pals that back home that, you know, done protests with work next to still brainstorming ideas globally on, Hey, I've got an amazing, there's actually some, um, student, student, um, mental health support stuff. 
got a program that I've been developing that they come over to the States and get some scholarships to play basketball, baseball, rugby, football in America yeah. to come over. And, um, you know, I think if you got an idea, I mean, all these, all these newbies and uppercomers and people that have been working for people such a long time over there, you, you know, there's something inside you that says, you know what, not only I could solve a problem in some way, but here's where I could get it funded and here's, how I could do it. So, you know, it's recognizing what you have. And I think just going, okay, how do I move that to part-time and still pay my bills and be able to create time that I can create something new, whether that's coming to Oz, whether that's starting a program, starting a podcast, whatever it is, something just, yeah. just give you, take, take a dose of your own advice. Right. 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 I love what you said as it relates, like get curious. You know, um, I often tell social workers who may be working in behavioral health or been in the field for a little while. I'm like, what gaps have you seen and how can you fill those gaps? What can you create? Because oftentimes we stay at agencies that completely go against our code of ethics or moral values. Right. And it's like we'll stay because we need the money. Right. Instead of realizing that, wait, if I just get curious and think you know, and create my own, then I can have the best of both worlds, right? I can actually be operating in, you know, um, I guess my calling and still getting paid for what I'm doing without feeling like this pull, you know, um, with working with an agency that goes completely against what it is we stand for, right? Because I I, um, literally, since I expanded my private practice because I was working for an agency that moved from the treatment model to the medical model. Now, the medical model, right, you know, they're like pushing um, Suboxone or Methadone or whatever. And I'm like, hold on, now I got clients who once felt like change was possible. Now they're like, wait, hold on, I can change, but I need this Suboxone. Or I can change, but I need, you know, and it's supposed to be assistance. But what I realized is that the medical model seemed to have taken over. Yeah, there is, and I think, Make no mistake, what I tell every single student, new social work, new grad, whatever, I said, you need to, you have to put so much energy, you know, really at the term I said, you have to put your pants on in the morning to go and work for these people. When you're faced with an interview about this job, whether you're a new grad or want to change, change your field, I think be really dynamic on how you do it. I think if there is micro practice that you want to do or meso or macro, I think it's making sure that whatever job you go into, they've got to put just as much care and kindness back into you as you give into that organization is my mm-hmm. rule number one. And the second one is, is knowing the juice is still there for the squeeze. What I mean by that is put your uh, you know, team leader, manager, whatever that business is, you put the screws to them saying, you are going to keep professionally investing in me if I'm going to invest my time in you. Yeah. Because I think that's such a such a spiral people can get into, at least over here, and I've seen it over there where, you know, they're grinding, 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 and, and um, they don't go, well, wait a minute. Okay, I've given you two years. I've given you three, four. Then they go, well, what about me? You know, I need I need this EMDR training. I, I, I want to grow my practice in change management, organizational psychology. I want that. 
and you look at your boss in the face and ask that question at the interview, even if you may not be suitable for that job anyway, and they say, no, who cares? But you need to say, how are these businesses? Because I think you do need that. I think, you know, you probably can say the same that when I first got out, you need to work in that team and recognize, okay, you know, and learn from your peers and get a bit of mentoring from those, those older cats that may or may not want to move on. But it's really challenging the machine and your lecturers, you know, your university professionals and say, how would you do it different? You know, that's one thing I ask repeatedly. Okay, you've been in the business this long. How would you do it differently? What would you do if you started your study today? How would you make it different? And, um, And I think that's really... If you do see those gaps, absolutely ask the same, you know, what's the gap? Is it your community? Is it funding? Is it meals? You know, who cares what it is? Yeah. And and say, well, what is the training I need? What is the exposure I need to put myself in the best position to be able to leverage that into my own business, to be able to, yeah. um, to do that um, and be able to, uh, if you, and you probably experience this too, that when you're in private practice, it can be a bit quiet sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Have a strong network, have, reach out to people globally who run six-figure social worker or related and just ask questions, just get in contact, just be curious. And, yeah. and say, hey, you've done this, how can I do it? Because I don't Absolutely. think I know any social workers and go, I'm not gonna tell you. Oh, <laughs> oh right, really? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> ask questions, ask questions. <laughs> So, yeah, so I want to thank you. Thank you for coming on and sharing and um, being as transparent as you can and letting the audience know, our listeners know that there's more to social work than just, um, you know, um, Ohio, Omaha, or, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, then the postcode. That's right. Go outside yeah. the postcode. <laughs> yeah. But before um, we end, is there anything else that's on your heart that you want to leave with our listeners? Look, I think whoever you reach out to, talk to people who are not in your network. Go to the weirdest and wildest social work network you can find away from your domain, whatever you're doing, drugs and alcohol, aged care, you know, whatever it is. Uh, I think it's expand your network, get uncomfortable because that's that's the real change you're going to find. Either to reflect and galvanize you want to stay doing what you're doing but I think, you know, as practitioners, if we really want to understand what's happening, get some exposure in the micro, meso, macro stuff. Don't just be a youth social worker. Don't just be a school social worker. Don't just be a aged care social worker. Get Give yourself a couple of years and then switch into something else and at least challenge your skill set. Keep, keep leveling up, you know? And if you want to do a global collaboration on some stuff, there's, you know, there's, I was looking at Nigerian Social Work Association due to some other projects to get some funding for needles and, you know, and, and, and blood care and mental health medications. You know, I think it's the limits are the ones you put on yourself. Ooh. On I where it can that. go. Yes. I love so. that. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate this. No, this is this is fantastic. I, I, I'm glad I stumbled upon you. It, it ha- had to happen. And hopefully I'll be over there and I'll be over there August, September, I think, see some family, all my family's over there. So, um, cause where are you? You're East Coast, right? Yeah. Hey, I'm in Ohio. Okay. Just, yeah. uh, my sister's in Pennsylvania. So, you know, I know I've been through Ohio. Yeah.
Thank you once again for tuning in. I hope you got something out of this episode. I was so excited to have this interview with Rodney. Listen, if you're interested and you want to stay connected, please visit us at www.uchangellc. It's the letter U, change LLC. Stay connected and stay tuned to our next episode.